Well, welcome back to Fathoms and Enneagram Podcast. It is Thursday, at least what we're on today, this moment. Well, we're Thursday. when they listen to this, too. So. Oh, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. That's good. That's true. Um, and about we, truth here on the Fathoms Podcast. <laughs> especially today, because we are wanting to debrief our last interview with Andy Squires. Um, hopefully, you guys were able to listen to that and uh, enjoyed uh, our conversation with him. I, I really did. He, he is a thoughtful human being, and I really appreciate his approach. His, um, I would say, even respectful yet sensitive approach to being truthful in the world. Yeah. He didn't tick us off nearly as much as he usually ticks people off. <laughs> Is that so? Yeah. Interesting. I was pretty ticked on him. <laughs> I don't know if you all caught it, but it was more of an unusual conversation. It was a different conversation. I think we mentioned in, in the, the previous debrief how none of us really knew how it was going to go. And not, not, not anything against Andy, but it was just, we're, we're talking about people's belief systems. And that's always just right. a really, really touchy subject, as well as wanting him to push back on the Enneagram community, push back on the self-help community. And that's really, yeah, who knows what's going to happen there, right? Mm-hmm. But I thought it went, I thought it went really well. I mean, I think we finally, we did find a, a rhythm per usual. I think we found more things we agree with than disagree with the quality of people that we have on. Yeah. 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 One thing that really stood out to me as I listened to it was the moment where he, just, where he said something along the lines of, I just, I just decided to be myself. Mm-hmm. And how that actually isn't uh, inherently subversive, although because people need you to be the way they need you to be, it can be. And systems uh, and structures and idealistic whatevers, you know, are set up to stay the same. You know, we need tradition. We need things to stay to a certain standard. And a real person that wants to be themselves knows how to stay open mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, move, be in the flow and say how things are when, when you're forgetting about the humanity, uh, someone's humanity. So I just, I thought uh, that was in, a, in sort of a broad sense, like him saying what he does and why, why it works so well. I thought you were going to talk about that quote that you shared yesterday or earlier this week about authenticity, how the, the message is to be authentic, but how, mm. do you remember what I'm talking about? I'm going to butcher Mate. it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The one about how being inauthentic is wired into the nervous system. So it's actually not just simple for people to just be authentic. You have oh. to really, really work with your nervous yeah, no, system a, to feel that's safe. That's a different one, but I, now I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the quote is everyone in the world is like, be authentic. But to your body, that feels like the most life-threatening thing to do if you grew up being praised for being what everyone else needed you to be. Raise your hand. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. It's everyone. And but that reminded me then, Lindsay, what I thought you were talking about was the Gabor, the, I think it's Gabor Mate quote, or at least idea. He says that every every person um, has two needs, attachment and authenticity. And he says, everyone will forsake authenticity for keeping attachment because I'd rather stay connected to you than, than be myself. And I just think going back to what he said about being himself, uh, he's learned to be authentic. He's learned to place the boundary of finding what is most valuable, uh, being inauthentic or being myself when it comes to um, sharing who, who I am in the world through my, through my art, through my artistic expression. And I think that is that speaks to his level of, I think he named this at some point, but just uh, not finding himself in the eyes of others, you know, mm-hmm. kind of letting go of that at some point. Yeah, I think that takes time. You know, he, he did say his age, but uh, I think that's part of getting older is you just naturally kind of like, screw it, I don't care what people think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, that's just some of the stuff that, was, that stood out to me the most. Yeah, I loved the part where he said um, to just go slowly. Do you remember that? When you're when you're approached with an idea or you come upon an idea, just move slowly. I really like that. And I think as a navigator and as a two, I relate so much to it because like if there's something happening, I'm like, ooh, what is this? I want to be a part of this. I want to, you know, the shiny new toy. Like I joined threads because I didn't want to be like, and I'm in there and I'm like, what even is the point of this? You know, but then I have trouble even being honest with myself about the fact that like I don't even really like this or think that it's great because everybody's doing it. And so I need to convince myself that there's a purpose or a reason where I gaslight myself because I'm like, well, I must not completely understand it because obviously it's amazing if everybody's doing it. So going the, you know, just the admonition to go slowly, I think was so profound for me. Just I guess a reminder to to really listen to myself and 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 be willing to push against something that's not working for me. It sounds like, at least for me, like the going slowly also means being really, really brave. Because there's, there's like the reckless form of just saying yes to everything. But it takes a lot more discipline and bravery to be slow to say yes and what else is true or what else is not true about whatever it is that I'm encountering. The slow part is the brave part for some people. I also think the go part is the brave part for people who will just mm. dig their heels in and be stubborn for the sake of being stubborn. Um, mm. And so maybe those people need to be brave and just like, just go, just go a little mm. bit, just try something new. You can always decide it doesn't work, but mm. maybe, maybe try it. What do you have to lose, you know? So yeah, I think I think there could be courage to be found in, in both on the spectrum there. Sure. Yeah, I think there's, he talked about he doesn't trust the group think, which is I don't either, but that is a, a practice for think in my mind, mm-hmm. uh, not getting caught up in it, mm-hmm. staying, making sure you're staying slow in something that becomes so hip so quickly. I do think there's a level of truth in all groupthink. I, sure. I, guess, I guess defining how you how you define groupthink, yeah. would, would, but like just going wherever the, the whimsy of the masses take you, no, probably not a great idea, but it's always speaking to something true, whether consciously or, or unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and what I specifically mean by it is, is more than jumping in the bag wagon without thinking about what it means for you. 
bandwagon. That's what I meant to the say. The bandwagon? That's where all the luggage goes. <laughs> or that if everybody's doing it. You know? It is a lot of baggage. Uh, the bandwagon. Oh, yeah. Just jumping on it because everybody else is, but forsaking what's important and valuable to you. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that kind of group think is, is, is dangerous, potentially. It's at least not valuing what's, what's your own needs and what's important to you yep. so that you can actually participate well. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced in specifically the Enneagram community, have you experienced where you've pushed back on something, whether it was like groupthink or a latest fad or trend in the Enneagram community? And like, have you had, what's that been like for you? I think on the, in the past few years, just not not accepting everything at face value as oh this is part of the enneagram therefore it must be true it's like this is an idea about the enneagram that someone seems to think that there's some use to it but does it actually hold any water and being willing to discard things that don't make sense or are not useful mm-hmm. or are too complicated to really be useful i mean i don't particularly find tri types all that useful or clear and um I'm sh- but there's a lot of people out there that just like if you don't know tri types you don't know the enneagram and i'm like oh, no i'm gonna you say no no to that yeah. and yeah I, I just think in general when it comes to if we're talking about ideology in the Enneagram, there's, of course, we talked about all the different factions, all the different schools of thought that adhere tightly to this narrative. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we all build our own ideology, right? It's the way we think, act, and behave in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's necessary in order to interface with reality. But if you've attached to one thing and it's become all of a sudden static and immovable, then you now have a dead, a dead, a dead, <laughs> a, 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 a dead ideology. In what part of the world do things stop evolving? Um, if, you, if, if it's not evolving, then it's dead. You're, I think you're right on. And I think when, when, um, Ideology gets dangerous is when it gets uh, made black and white within a community because then people get ostracized and people get treated as less than and then there's in, people are in and people are out. Mm-hmm. And that is when uh, boundaries uh, get mistaken for detaching and, and dehumanizing. Boundary, I'll just say it here again, boundaries are that less at which something completely stops like a wall and more at which something healthy can begin. And I think that is a considerably healthier, though harder thing, the larger your community gets to uh, place well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Creek. That ide- everyone has their own and I just think it's it trickier and requires considerably more thoughtful responsibility when you are working with ideologies in communities. Mm-hmm. I think a great litmus test is that sentence that you said, Creek. If you don't do or know this, then you don't yeah. mm-hmm. know the thing we're talking about or you're, you don't fit somehow. If you're finding yourself saying things like that or you're in a group or a community that's saying things like that, you're, you're locked up. You're rigid. There's mm-hmm. not room for growth with that mindset. Mm-hmm. So I think that in and of itself could be a great starting point. Just pull the other side in just a little bit. It's like there's, Obviously, there are things that, that are needed to know mm-hmm. in order to operate within a community or an ideology, right? Sure. Not knowing how addition works is not going to be impossible for you to understand <laughs> math. So like, there, there, I think there is, I don't know how necessarily to draw that line, but there sure. is like, yeah, there's a requisite amount of skill and knowledge that you need to have to work within a space. But at some point it just starts getting ridiculous. Um, and, and I don't know if we have time to go into all of that, but um, I think in general, just the whole curiosity and critical thinking just solves so many, so many issues. Mm-hmm. Um, what else could be true here? That's a good yeah. question. One of the things I love that he said, I'm kind of tweaking this, uh, was that the work of the artist is to challenge the clarity of the ideologues and their ideology and redu- reductionistic slogans. Words are hard today. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just love, I think that's so, I love that idea of the artist, especially if you think back of back to like these guys, like um, some of these artists in what the seventies uh, that were writing more politically uh, to what was happening in the world. Um, I just think, I mean, it's happening now as well, but I just think the artist has the because of what art can do, it can it can speak to the, the human psyche, to the human heart in a way that not many other things can. I think he's really onto something. Another thing I enjoyed um, from Andy's perspective was was him talking about just this idea that you know therapy is. It's kind of has become, or the Enneagram is, has become sort of the silver bullet. We're all kind of, in a, in a sense, looking for this one magical pill that if we just take this, then all our problems are going to be gone. What's that one thing that's going to finally do it for us? I really, I really relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that I have a tendency to look for those kinds of things. Um, but I just, I think it was really helpful to hear him, because he, he mentioned he was doing a run of shows, and 20, he did 20 shows in a row, and every night at the end of, if he's talking to people, they, everyone, someone always brought up the Enneagram. And uh, he just found that really intriguing and fascinating, the onslaught of it. And uh, yeah, I, I just think it's helpful to name that it, there is a tendency out there to, to try and find something that will be the final ultimate uh, fix and like fill in the, the empty space and make my, my full humanity go away, you know, just my, my conditioning. And, and that's, it's not gonna happen. It's, it's not meant to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's right. So it's so natural. Um, and I think it's, <clears throat> at least from, from my life, it's been one thing after another where I'm like, ah, oh, finally I found it. And then what do you know? It lets me down. Um, <laughs> and so now approaching any sort of person or idea or anything like that is like, this will inevitably not work at some point. Wow. But how do I- <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then we let me down royally at some point. Just well, with. 
you know what I mean? Like there's, there's yeah. just, there's always going to be some sort of thing that doesn't quite work about it. Or the person is not as cool as I thought they'd be, or, or they have some issues, you know, all the things. Well, well, <laughs> um, uh, other people, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Other people. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I think it's that cultural, like even like marriage, the romantic, romanticism of it. Like that person's going to complete me. I mean, I think it's a societal thing. There's this, there's this sort of ingrained idea that something will complete me. And of course, it doesn't mean that these things are inherently bad or good necessarily, but any sort of system, any sort of structure or person, teacher, whatever, um, I think we just have to realize that we're all just trying to figure it out. And these are all attempts to name and describe the reality that we're living in. And as long as we continue to assume the wholeness and complete this narrative, then we will always be let down. We will always be hurt. And I think um, ideology, whether it's Enneagram, whether it's religion, um, whether it's astrology, whatever, if you use it as a thing to escape reality instead of to more fully engage it, that's when things start to go really, really wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in some ways that transitions us into this next set of episodes, which we're really excited about on trauma. And of course, there are things in our life that we do to ourselves, but there's also a lot of things in our lives that we cannot control and are done to us. And how do we actually step into that and acknowledge it as part of our story without it becoming an overwhelming identity um, that ends up controlling the entire narrative of our story um, and what's mm-hmm. possible? Yeah. And I think what we were really hoping to do with this series, um, which is, is our last series of the season, mm-hmm. we are winding oh, down, man. aren't we? It is. Oh, we are. Wow. I think that one of the reasons that we wanted to, to have this conversation around trauma is because just like these things in the Enneagram that, you know, you're sort of told, here's a trap for your type or here's a challenge for your type. Instantly, we kind of go into this. This is a thing I need to overcome. This is something I need to triumph and transcend. And I think that we have a tendency to treat our trauma that way also. And so I really love the guests that we had on because they're all people who are doing the good work of helping people, first of all, not to be ashamed of their trauma, also to not let their trauma be something that defines them and limits them, but also holding what I feel is like a healthy approach that says this is something that it's a part of your story now. And it's not something you need to erase from your story. So what does that look like? What does that mean to not erase a part of your story, to integrate it and to use it to leverage it i think is some, some of the language that comes up in these episodes um but to leverage it and to find yourself transforming and becoming stronger as a result of it which is really great i think that is this series is the one i'm most excited about just because it's such a it's a hot topic right now mm-hmm. um which is good and bad um <laughs> and it's very very closely aligns with the enneagram and how we work through the stories we tell ourselves and i think mm-hmm. so we have uh, dr sharon k ball um which was just really really she's really great an author um and then we have a return guest dr Kristen beasley dr b who blew our socks off i got chills and and Terry, uh as did Lindsay. And, um, and then finally, we have uh, Miles Adcox of OnSite, who's just a, a brilliant person in, in and of himself. And um, so we really are uh, excited about these next batch of episodes. So at the time of this podcast, um, we will be at the IEA Global Conference, beginning the process of finishing um, recording our final episode on Ego and Essence, which has been the most downloaded episode in our first season up to this point. So we just decided to revisit it with our new learnings and just new perspectives and just taking a deeper dive on it. So please, if you haven't yet, please DM us or use our, the SpeakPipe link in the show notes to submit some questions when it comes to anything in that realm. I know it's a really big topic. So it might be even hard to come up with a question, but we'd really appreciate any effort you can put towards that. And then finally, Lindsay, can you share with us uh, the Marco Uh, sharecasting again i would love to yeah so if you're not on marco polo download that app um it's a video messaging app and we love it it's just it's such a a great way to communicate and stay connected and we actually have uh two links for you one to our private sharecast for fathoms where you can talk to us directly and you can ask us questions let us know things you want to hear from us in the future um and then we also have a link for you for two months free of marco polo plus so check it out two months 60 days people and we'll definitely be uh posting some stuff on there while we're at the conference too a video of all four of us in the same place oh my gosh (laughs) come on that sounds so fun Uh, so thanks again listener and um hope you enjoy these next few episodes and we'll talk Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms in the Enneagram Podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.